Welcome to Flirting with Bitcoin. I'm your host, Mandana Yousefi, and this is my boo, Ian Reese. Hey, babe. Hey, what's up? Things have been a little crazy. Tell me about it. I think first we should say hi to our new listeners. Hi. Should we call them Fountainheads? <laughs> well, whatever we want to call them. It's pretty cool. Um, all of the messages that we've gotten from our new listeners from all around the world. It's a little crazy to think that there are people in Japan who are listening to us. <laughs> if you've been listening, we've done a little test on Fountain Podcast where we kind of paid people a little bit of Satoshis to like try out Fountain App or the Fountain Podcast. People from all over the world, like, tried us out, and a lot of them liked us. Yeah, so there were a bunch of people who were already using Fountain Podcasts that found us and listened to us, and it's really exciting that you guys did. We're so excited that you're hopping on the Flirting with Bitcoin ride with us, and uh, episode 20 and 21 was all about that experience and the value for value model and all that good stuff, but... But it's time for us to bring it back to why we're here, which is you teaching me about Bitcoin, helping me understand how it works in our real world and what's happening around the adoption of Bitcoin. So what's going on, babe? Yeah, that's a really good question. We don't like to talk about the price of Bitcoin here. It's not the most important part, although that's usually what catches people's attention, Mm -hmm. right? We do have to talk about the price of Bitcoin lately because of the you know, the crypto crash that's currently happening. I think calling it a crypto crash is also a little overzealous because really the entire financial market is selling off right now. But Bitcoin seems to be leading this this financial market sell-off, so we'll call it the crypto crash. But what's been happening is that there's been all of these, these companies that have been like collapsing. We talked about Terra Luna, we talked about Celsius and, and how they collapsed. Well, various degrees of collapse like that are happening to other companies and are probably going to continue to happen for the rest of the year. So all of these companies that were actually vulnerable and weren't set up to be as strong as they had otherwise suggested, those are the ones that are collapsing. Yes. And the reason why they're collapsing is because while they may be operating with crypto and Bitcoin, they are operating as the current financial system operates, which is basically fractional reserve banking. What this this crypto crash is revealing is that people who actually hold their own money, like you actually hold your money, like Bitcoin, you hold your keys. Yeah, not your keys, not your coin. Not your keys, not your coin. Get your coins off the exchanges. (laughs) The people who are currently holding their Bitcoin don't care about any of this. It doesn't affect them. All it affects is the price of Bitcoin, Mm -hmm. but they're not worried about not being able to get their money. And that right there is probably the biggest peace of mind you can have between Bitcoin versus Celsius or Terra Luna, right? But at the same time, there's still a lot of people who feel comfortable with leaving their money in banks. Yeah, that's most people. That's Yeah, that's most people, right? (laughs) And so what has happened when you say what's going on in the market is that what has happened is that a bank has actually been shut down. And while it's not specifically crypto related, this bank that's been shut down, the people who have their money in that bank can't get at their money, just like the people who have their money in Celsius can't get at their money. And this is fiat money, like a US dollar locked up in a bank. This is a bank in Puerto Rico. Ooh. Yeah. So 
on top of that, you know, the irony of all of this is that the guy who runs this bank has been like the biggest Bitcoin hater for the past decade. Oh, so, <laughs> so the Bitcoiners are loving this. Oh, it was, it is just the most shroud and fraud. Is that how you say that? Uh, it's a German thing or whatever, but it's the oh, most. Oh, we have German listeners. Yeah, Let yeah, us yeah. know if Ian said it right. <laughs> I believe it's, I, I believe it's schnaud and fraud, which basically means you take joy in someone else's misery, mm-hmm. right? And you really are right now taking joy in this, aren't you? I mean, I feel bad for the people whose money's locked mm-hmm. up, but only a little bit. Yeah. But I don't feel bad for this guy at all. And so Bitcoin Twitter is just having a field day with this. Like it's, it's, it's so comically like, it's so comically perfect. Delicious. It's perfect. Chef's kiss. This guy has been saying that Bitcoin is worthless. And if he had had Bitcoin instead of his money in a bank, none of this would be going on for him. Well, all right, babe, let's get into it. All right, so taking a step back, you're saying that while these crypto companies that might have not been set up in the most honest ways or secure ways are just the precursor to what might be happening in the regular banking system. 100%. And this is the first example of that? This particular scenario of what's happened to Peter Schiff, I don't believe is a precursor to banks collapsing the way that the cryptocurrency, like the crypto market is collapsing. But it is an example of you could have your money in crypto in Celsius or you can have your money in a bank, but you might wake up one day and you can't get at it. Because you don't actually have your money. It's not yours. Because someone can just freeze it. Someone can just freeze it. And who is Peter Schiff? So Peter Schiff's this guy. He's just very well known for being a gold bug, right? He's always advocating for gold. He's been advocating for gold since the day I heard his name. But what does that mean you advocate in gold? Does that mean to invest your money in gold to own gold bars? He's not even really advocating owning gold bars. (laughs) Like, that's the thing, right? It'd be different if Peter Schiff was saying, like, buy gold, dig a hole in your basement, and, like, bury it, right? He's not advocating for that. What is he advocating for? He's basically advocating for, you know, buying gold as an asset, like, as a paper asset. Like, you could have stock in Tesla, or you can have paper shares of gold. (laughs) He's just... He's just okay. saying he's just saying, you know, that if you're going to hold anything long term as an asset, you should hold gold. But he's not really advocating for like taking possession of that gold. So he at minimum acknowledges that putting your money in the dollar is not the ideal situation because that's not pegged to gold. To be fair to Peter Schiff, that is why he's pro-gold. Okay, like, so he, he does understand that reality. He defi- recognizes it. Yes. Like, fair enough. He okay. is definitely calling out the same reality that the Bitcoiners are calling out, which is money printing, ridiculous Fed actions, causing damage to the economy. Right. And so it's like, shout out to our episode nine called Collateral Damage, because we cover a lot of this stuff in that episode that explains why... Our dollar is not actually pegged to gold. Well, yeah. So Peter Schiff is, he understands what Mm -hmm. we're talking about in that episode. But he he doesn't like Bitcoin. He just doesn't think that Bitcoin is the solution to that problem. 
He doesn't believe in the idea that Bitcoin can replace gold as the solution to that problem. He sees gold as the one and only solution to that problem. And what's his uh, general beef with Bitcoin? <laughs> well, it's the beef that most gold bugs have is that, I mean, at the, bar- at, the, at the bottom of all of it is that it's not tangible. Okay. Right? Like if you can't hold it, it's not real. It has mm-hmm. no value. Right? Like that's, I would argue that that is his biggest contention. You can tack a lot of other stuff mm-hmm. onto that. But at the end of the day, it's not a real thing. So it has no value. And I think that kind of just says Peter Schiff doesn't have an imagination. You just can't imagine a thing that's more valuable than gold mm-hmm. when it's sitting right in front of you. And I see it really old. I mean, he's old, <laughs> but he's, I mean, I don't know if his age. I think he's probably in his 60s. Oh, okay. Um, he's not that old. But he might be, he might be 50 and just look really bad. Ooh. I don't, you know, like you never know. Being a hater does age you. <laughs> um... <laughs> But no, so like Peter Schiff, he, to be fair, he understands the problem. Yeah. He just has been hating on Bitcoin since day one. And the running joke is that there's this meme of Peter Schiff, like from 2013, when he was on, let's just call it MSNBC. Mm-hmm. And he's like dumping on Bitcoin. It's like gold's at 1700 and Bitcoin's at a dollar. And then like five years later, gold's at like 5000 or gold's still at 1700 and Bitcoin's at like 5000 5, yeah. And then like they're like, they age him. They put like an old picture, like Peter Schiff as like a grandpa. And it's like, you know, gold's still at 1700 and Bitcoin's at a million, right? So he's on like mainstream <laughs> media bashing Bitcoin. Yeah. So Peter Schiff, the first time that I ever heard his name was actually kind of before I got into Bitcoin, weirdly. So Peter Schiff was the guy that would be on like MSNBC or something like that, you know, trying to convince old retirees that don't put your money in dollars, you should buy gold. And I just always remember that as being like, he's making valid points, you know, like, yeah, that does make sense. And gold does is a thing. It's real and tangible. So like, it's a more stable investment. Yeah, yada, yeah. Yada, yada. So like, I've, I always knew his name. But then when I came into Bitcoin, he was like, on day one, he was like the biggest villain. And it was just like, oh, yeah, like he didn't switch over to the new thing, right? He He's not switching over to the better solution to the problem. And being extremely vocal about it. And being very vocal about it, like to the point where it's almost like he's trolling the Bitcoiners for attention. Mm, so this is like what is happening in the Bitcoin community right now is the demise of a Bitcoin villain. Yes. I'm just trying to make this dramatic. <laughs> I mean, well, that is like if, if his bank if his bank does get shut down, yes, that is what we are witnessing. So what exactly happened? He has a bank. He's this rich that he has his own bank. Rich slash having your own bank. These are all relative terms. Oh, I mean, I don't have my own bank. You don't have your own bank, but it's not like there's a bank that says Peter Schiff owns it. We don't know the ownership percentage or whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like when Jay-Z owned a piece of the Nets and then you look at the paperwork and it's like less than half a percent. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But no one knows who owns the Nets. They just know Jay-Z owns a piece. Like, Uh right? So Gives it street cred. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, owning the bank is relative, but it is the bank that he will direct people who he, you know, when he convinces someone to go with his game plan, Mm -hmm. he directs them to his bank. This bank, you know, and it's like, we're set up to like handle you and like get you through this process of owning gold, deposit your money with us, yada, 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 right? It's basically this bank, you could argue, is like his little Celsius, mm-hmm. right? Like you put your cash in here and then as a customer, you have all these services. And made these are the returns will get you. Yeah. Okay. And so his bank got frozen? 
So because it's a bank, there are regulators, right? Mm -hmm. And the regulators make sure you're following rules. They don't, I mean, they care about how much money you have in the bank, but it's more about like, are you in compliance with the regulations? And so what appears has happened based on some of his tweets, his being Peter Schiff, um, where he's trying to explain why his bank has been unjustly shut down. And so what he's claiming is that he's being shut down because the regulators are saying that he's not properly uh, collateralized, right? Like he doesn't have enough deposits on hand to represent the deposits of his clients, right? And Peter Schiff's argument is that that's not a problem. We ran an audit. We found this out. We're going to get the money, you know, but we just found out that this is the issue and you didn't give us a chance to like re-collateralize. You just said we were not in compliance and shut us down. And shutting down, what does that mean? It means their like customers the, can't access their money? Yes. Wow. And may lose it. Wow. Why lose? Well, depending on how the bank is shut down, it might have to go into bankruptcy. <gasps> And then if it goes into bankruptcy, like just like Celsius, okay, right? So then if it goes into bankruptcy, the question becomes where in that order of who gets their money back are the people whose money is deposited in the bank. So there's definitely people above those people to get their money back. In theory, if there's only $3 million available and the people at the top are entitled to $5 million, everyone else is wiped out. So why did the Puerto Rican government come after him? You know, that's a good question. And, you know, until this happened, I can honestly say I did not know that Peter Schiff had a bank. <laughs> right? Like, I didn't know. Yeah. But it's in Puerto Rico. And if you know anything about Puerto Rico and Puerto Rico banking, it's not like, this ain't New York City. Mm -hmm. Right? They got some sketchiness going on in Puerto Rico in the financial it's sector. It's laxer regulation than the mainland yeah and so if you can get shut down by regulators in a lax jurisdiction either they're trying to basically extort him which is a possibility mm -hmm. or you couldn't even pass like the puerto rican regulators <laughs> but i think that lends to regardless of whether or not he's guilty or non-compliant whatever that is it's still showing him that this wouldn't have happened if his money or his client's money or customer's money or just in Bitcoin on their own keys. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Right. So like he's just pulling a Celsius. He's convincing people, give your money to me. Trust me. Mm -hmm. And hopefully I run a successful business. That's... And this is a credible person, right? You said, well, I don't know if he is a credible person, but he was presented as one by the media mm -hmm. and he's allowed enough person who made himself a villain in the Bitcoin community. Mm -hmm. So it's showing that even someone who understands what they're talking about to some degree, it's not a safe bet to just trust them with your money. Exactly. The fact that if he believes this is unjust, right? If he truly believes this is unjust and he's done everything right, he just needs to be allowed to put more money in. The fact that he can't do that mm -hmm. because someone else is not allowing him is the whole value prop of Bitcoin. No one can control your money. No one. And it's so strange that the reaction to that reality is, no, 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 I don't want that. I want someone to control my money. I want, let me control your money. It goes back to incentives. Before Bitcoin, you were incentivized to behave the way that Peter Schiff has been behaving, just like Celsius was behaving, right? 
Because you really, people didn't have another option. Yeah, it's all you know. Your money has to be somewhere. And it's the smart playbook, right? Well, It's yeah. what smart people do with their money. Well, yeah, but what I'm getting at is like before Bitcoin, let's say you had a million dollars in your bank account. I'm listening. It has <laughs> to be in a bank. Yeah. Whether it's Peter Schiff's bank or Bank of America or Chase or whoever, you got to pick somebody that you trust that when you go ask for your million dollars, they're going to give it back to you, Mm -hmm. right? That was the only option until January 2009 and probably 2011 when Bitcoin actually started really being traded and bought and sold. But before Bitcoin, that was the only option you have. Now with Bitcoin, there's a new option. You can take your million dollars out of that bank You can convert it into Bitcoin, convert it into 12 words, memorize those 12 words, and no one can touch your money. No regulators, no countries, no Peter Schiff's, no Celsius's. It's your money memorized. Well, you don't have to sell Bitcoin to me, babe. I'm in, but... (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to sell it to Peter. I'm trying to sell it to him through the phone. (laughs) Has he realized this? So my next question is... Who's next? Do you think that, you know, Puerto Rico is going after all of their banks and checking against their the compliance regulations to see if they're compliant? Or is the U.S. government doing that? Are all the countries doing that now that there's this huge economic collapse that's happening all around the world? Should I take my money out of the bank? <laughs> well, yeah, probably. Um, and we keep very little money yeah. in the bank, right? But um, the point that I'm getting at is... I don't know if Puerto Rico is clamping down, right? But I'm going to put on my conspiracy hat for a second and just say it's very interesting that it's Peter Schiff. I just find that interesting. I just find it very interesting that this guy that's made himself the villain of like he is literally the villain. Maybe Vitalik Buterin for Ethereum is like the other villain, but like he is literally the villain of Bitcoin. And his bank is being shut down. That seems personal. Well, Bitcoiners went after him. I don't know if Bitcoiners went after him, but like maybe hackers, mm. maybe people hacked him, got the information, turned it over to the regulators, right? Like that's a possibility. I mean, I think if you're very passionate about the Bitcoin project and you have someone out there that's like actively trying to discredit it while people are incredibly vulnerable with where they're putting their money. I wouldn't blame hackers to try to go after someone like this when he is dissuading people from actually securing their money in a safe way. Exactly. So I think this might have just been a targeted attack mm. and, and might not necessarily be... Um, the beginning of, the begin- of yeah, fiat the- currency banks collapsing. Yeah, no, because... <laughs> Again, the bank was in Puerto Rico and Puerto Rico is just not, it's not a upstanding banking industry. Mm -hmm. So the fact that you open this bank in Puerto Rico is like, what are you hiding from? That's a great point. Why couldn't you open a bank in the jurisdiction of New York City or Texas or Florida? Like just anywhere in the States, States, right? So there's that. Um, But I'm not ruling out an actual bank run. I'm not ruling out the possibility of one of these, you know, I'm not trying to like scare you because we use this bank, but like ally, right? Like uh, one of these online banks kind of 
ending up in this position. I'm not ruling that out. And the reason why I'm not ruling that out is because some of the ways that these crypto companies kind of collapsed, what they were doing wasn't found out until they collapsed, right? And so it's possible that some of these online banks that are like purely online, you know, are doing some of these things and might get caught up in one of them and not realize that, oh, we gave our money to them and they gave their money to this crypto mm-hmm. company, right? And now they can't get their money back to like... Right. Ultimately, as the consumer of banking services, there's only so much information that we have. And often it's just directly from the company. Exactly. And that's, again, going back to the value prop of Bitcoin. Like if your money's in Bitcoin, you don't care which banks are collapsing. You just don't. Like Celsius fell apart. We don't care. We don't even really feel bad because we try to warn everybody. But like it doesn't affect us. All it did was make Bitcoin cheaper so that we can get more. Buy the dip. I mean, it's not even buying the dip. It's just if you buy every day, <laughs> if your time if your time horizon is ten years, you don't really care about what's crashing today. You actually want it to crash today, and so here we are. Here we are. All right, babe, you know I love when there's drama in the Bitcoin world. So this was delicious. Thank you. The tweet came through when we were at dinner and I was like trying to understand what was going on so hard because Twitter just lit up. Like all the people that I follow and have, um, you know, like notify me when they tweet. It was just like, Peter Schiff, Peter Schiff, Peter Schiff, Peter Schiff, Peter Schiff. It would be really interesting if like, you know, media outlets that were promoting his point of view on this stuff are going to say oh this person that has been criticizing bitcoin for xyz reasons their bank has been closed or shut down or suspended whatever it is so the one thing that's very interesting about this is that someone found it like i guess it was an unaired 60 minutes interview and in the interview like they asked him about this this was like from like a year ago i believe they asked him about this possibility and he like gets livid. The possibility of the bank getting shut down? Well, I don't even think it was about the bank getting shut down. I think he was being accused of stuff. And he was like, I'll put the video in the on the website when we post this episode. So you guys can go click it. You can click on the, go to the website and you can see the video that I'm talking about. But basically, they ask him questions alluding to the fact that this day might come. And he just gets up and walks out the room. He like yells at the guy. Gets up and walks out the room. Very R. Kelly-ish, right? (laughs) Very R. Kelly-ish. But then to make it even (laughs) weirder is I believe it's his wife like comes and like sits down in the chair that he just like left, if you don't understand the 60 minutes format. Mm -hmm. And she was kind of like, why would you ask that question? What do you think you're going to learn from that question? No one's here to interview you, woman. Like, (laughs) it's so weird. It's so weird. So like, obviously, he knew this day was coming. Wow. And and now he's trying to save face. Whether it's justified or not, he definitely knew this day was coming. His emphatic response to what's going on is because it's been in him for so long. This didn't just happen. Yeah, his worst fear is becoming realized. Well, that's a crazy story, but I got to say, I love that his wife had his back. Yeah, she. I mean, if that was his wife, I believe it's his wife. I don't know who else would, would do that, right? Like, I mean, I would yell at 60 Minutes if they upset you. 
I mean, <laughs> don't yell at 60 Minutes if you know that I'm committing bank fraud. Fair enough. Stay, <laughs> stay off of camera if you know. If you know that I'm committing bank fraud, don't, don't get involved. Okay, fair enough, baby. 